Do you know what truly motivates your customers? What really inspires them to buy? That's what we'll talk about today on the Love Your Brand podcast. What does it take to build a brand people love? How does Harley Davidson get people to tattoo their logo on their arm? Why do people sit in line for days for the new iPhone? And an even more important question, how can you build one of those brands in your community? Can you imagine if you did? What would that be like? What would that feel like? How would it change your business and change your life? That's what we're going to focus on on this podcast, how to build a brand people love. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I'm on a personal journey to inspire brands to put people and relationships over likes and subscribers, and to use your personal stories to grow your audience and get more customers. As you'll see, my approach to branding is a little different than what you might be used to, and it may even seem backwards at times. But that's because I believe the standard ways of branding and marketing are backwards. If you look up branding in the dictionary, it will say, a brand is defined by a recognizable name and image that is associated with an organization's product or service. That's how most people see what the typical brand is. But to me, a brand can be so much more because I'm not here to help you build a typical brand. I want you to build a powerful one. To me, a powerful brand is defined by an idea or belief that inspires people, that invites them to join something bigger, that gives them hope. A powerful brand communicates these things through actions, words, and design in that order. Let me say that one more time, because this is very different than the standard perception that most have. A powerful brand communicates these things through actions, words, and design in that order. These three keys inspire confidence in the brand's abilities, which leads to respect. Respect, over time, leads to trust. Trust that the brand can reliably deliver value and has people's best interest at heart. This trust, with a little more time, leads to appreciation, which naturally leads to people loving your brand. If you analyze some of the most successful brands, either subtly or directly, you'll see this pattern over and over again. Why? To quote Simon Sinek, we don't buy from brands because they provide what we need. We buy from them because they believe what we believe. They give us something to define ourselves by, a tool for communicating to the world who we are. And the company proves who they are by their actions, words, and design. This works for companies and personal brands alike. If you look at people like Gary Vaynerchuk, it's obvious that he truly cares about raising the next generation of entrepreneurs and helping to set them up for success. And you can see that he cares through his actions, putting out enormous amounts of free content, content that costs him hundreds of thousands of dollars to make. You can tell by the words he uses and how he connects with his fans and how much passion he has. He is passionate about his cause and he appreciates the people who give him their attention. That's why we appreciate him. And in the end, when he does ask for something like a book sale, he instantly becomes a New York Times bestseller. Because when you put connection over conversion, You'll feel better about your business, people will feel better about you, and you'll make more conversions too. At the end of the day, the brands that succeed are the brands that care. Because who doesn't like to be cared for? Who doesn't want to do business with someone they know has their best interest in mind? That's why I named my company Care Branding, because I believe that the best way to compel people to care about your brand is to first prove that you care about them. If you see yourself as a brand that cares, this is the podcast for you. We're determined to help you run a more successful business by using this approach. 
It has worked for me, and I hope you come to see it as a healthier, happier, and more powerful way to brand and advertise for you too. Today, we will be talking with someone who is a graphic designer. Most notably, he's designed product packaging for products sold in over 400 stores nationwide. If you've visited a running store especially, you've probably seen something he's designed. He's a marketing consultant, consumer behavior expert, and my dear friend, Travis Madison. There's a lot of value to unpack from this conversation, so let me play it for you now. All right, Travis Madison. Hey. Welcome to the Love Your Brand podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I know we've uh, spent a long time trying to figure out something we can collab on, so it's good to be here. It's good to finally get something going. For sure. Always great working with you, man. We've been working together for a little while. Do you remember the, uh, the first project we worked on? Uh, how long ago was that? Was that over five, four or five years? I think that was 2013. It's a long time. Yeah. No, I remember we, were, uh, we worked with a restaurant, um, if I believe, right? It was, mm-hmm. That was the very first project? I think so. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were going to get something to eat, and then we're like, man, it really sucks that there's nothing new in the neighborhood. And then we just, we came across this one place, we said grand opening, and we didn't know what they served, but we're like, well, we just complained this whole time about new stuff, so I guess we have to try it. And we just went in, and the owner happened to be there, and it, it you know, they're like, hey, we need, we're looking to do some website stuff, some design stuff, and we're like, we do that. <laughs> Which at the time, I mean, we've dabbled in it, but it was nothing we, we ever took. Uh, serious and I don't think we at least I haven't finished a project at that point and so uh, we kind of went a little bit out of our comfort zone and was like yeah we we, we do it and so uh, it ended up working out um, and you know I, I ended up working with that company four years later uh, again at a more professional kind of in-house role um, and you know it was a great opportunity yeah no that's what got us started and th- the way it started was like we just had some good food there and we right. said, hey, can we talk to the owners because we just want to compliment, or not the owners, but if they, you know, manage or whatever. Right. Owners happen to be there. We just wanted to compliment them on their food. <laughs> How convenient. And a natural conversation came up and they're saying, yeah, we're trying to expand and do these things. And like you said, yeah, we're just like, well, we kind of do that. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it all started. And it's, at the time, looking back in retrospect, you're like, well, yeah, of course we would, why wouldn't you do that, right? That's how you get started. Like, just jump out and do it. But at the time, um, you know, when you talk about building a website, you talk about, building a brand at the time we had our own philosophies and we would argue and talk about what people should be doing uh but when all of a sudden you're challenged um you, you know you kind of like well i don't really know what i'm doing should i do it should i not do it and uh like i said in retrospect it's pretty obvious that we should have um but it was kind of uh kind of ballsy at the time for us to take that role but it ended up working out and they loved what we did um, at the time, or at least looking back, I didn't like what we did. I thought I did such a terrible job. And I remember speaking to you when we would sit down and talk to them. Or when we looked to sit down and present what we did, I was nervous. I was like, yo, I don't think they're going to like this at all. And they're like, oh, my God, it's so great. And it's, it's good to hear that. But at the time, I'm just like, this is horrible. They're not going to like it. But, you know, you get better with time. And uh, as we took on more projects, it became more refined. And um, everyone has to start somewhere. Right. So uh, you're a graphic designer. Is mm-hmm. that what you would call yourself? Uh, yeah, I would say designer. Hope, but yeah, graphic designer. Yeah. I guess that's what everyone kind of sees as a designer. I, I think of you as a designer. I don't really put you into one category or another because I just think the way that you approach design in general fits many different categories. I, I definitely see you as, as someone who's an authority in that field. What got you interested in design in the first place? 
what makes design so special is that it's not just um, a logo or a flyer, right? It's it's the attention to detail uh, to communicate, right? It's it's this bigger picture. Uh, it's a higher level of communication that's more than just um, words. Um, obviously, there's so many different things when it comes to design in terms of the technical stuff. Um, but it, I think it's just the attention to detail and the purpose, like the reason for what you're doing has bigger, I don't know, implications than just blue or, you know, red or something like that. It just, I don't know, it was, it was something that just captured me. Um, and I don't even want to say it kind of came natural, but it was just, it was fun. I think it's probably the biggest reason why design was something that uh, just kind of gravitated, uh, or something I gravitated to, I guess I should say. Because you were even, like, drawing as a kid, right? And, like, you had, you were making ideas for businesses you would start with your last name when you were young and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess, funny story. Um, so the first job I ever wanted uh, was actually <laughs> what I called a pachyologist when I was younger, right? Funny story. But uh, I was trying to say um, paleontologist because uh, <laughs> I was a huge Jurassic Park fan, right? That was, like, probably to this day, it was probably my favorite movie. But um, that's what I wanted to be. And then I wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, the ability to tell stories through through art was something that was so fascinating to me. I mean, that's another thing. When you talk about design, it's not just art. It's software design. I even think video has a design aspect to it, right? So um, there's so many fields and there's so many things I'm interested in that uh, design just seemed to be the the umbrella of everything. Yeah, that makes sense. So something really interesting about your brand philosophy, because we have these conversations all the time just for fun. Uh, just talking about branding. Or more arguments than anything, but yeah. But some people see it that way, but <laughs> but we're passionate about this stuff. But what's interesting about how you see branding, especially coming from the perspective of a designer, is your idea that the logo kind of doesn't matter. Irrelevant. Explain that. Um, so when it comes to branding, right, when you think of what branding is, it's, it's unquantifiable. Like, it's this abstract thing. Um, because branding is really just someone's pers- you know, perspective, which is so subjective because you can ask someone how they feel about Nike and then you can ask someone else about how they feel about Nike and it could be two completely different things for whatever reason, whether it be personal or something that the company did to them. For example, the Nike swoosh. What does that mean, right? A lot of people we have will conversations say, about that because... <laughs> a lot of people will be like, oh, well, the swoosh means movement. It means this, that, and the other. It's like, no, that's what Nike told you it represents. What it really represents, a check mark, okay, correct, Yes, I guess. Like well, both. Right. But it when you look at it from face value, it's what the company wants you to think about it. Starbucks, what does that mermaid have to do with anything? That I don't know. I mean, but and that's kind of my point. Does it have to have you make you feel anything? I don't necessarily think it does. There's so many other things you have to do before you even get to the point of a logo that I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but it should be the last thing you worry about. Because when you talk about rebranding, a lot of people are like, I need a new logo. Why do you need a new logo? You have to finish all this other stuff before you can even get to the visual design or copy or anything else um, that at the end of the day, as a designer, it seems so weird, but that's the last thing I worry about is your logo. Because it's a more complete way of looking at it, right? Is you're not saying the logo really doesn't matter, but, right. but you're in a way, the perception you have about Starbucks, for example, is not because of the mermaid. It's not because of the green necessarily. It's because of how 
what kind of experiences you've had at Starbucks, right. what kind of coffee you get, or the experiences you've had with friends or business meetings or family just being at a Starbucks. So right. you associate them with an experience, that logo represents that experience. If Starbucks did not present you that experience, that logo would not make you feel anything. Right. You're associating it. I would argue that the Nike logo is a little bit better because I do think there is some movement in it. I do think even if it's a check mark, that represents something good. But at the same time, it's because Nike has become such a powerful company that represents the best athletes and inspires people to become their best and, you know, athletically or when it comes to the quality of their life, right. that, again, you associate that just-do-it idea or movement with that logo. So that association is important, but what it really shows you is that what we were talking about at the start of this podcast about actions, words, and design in that order, by actions, if Nike wasn't the company that they were, if they weren't associating themselves with the top athletes and representing themselves as dedicated to your personal growth then that that logo would not mean as much. Their phrase wouldn't right. mean as much because even their their slogan matches up with who they are and who they connect themselves with. Right. Do you kind of see it the same way? Yeah, and I do think from a design standpoint, there is a certain level of um, importance to not just perception but understand application. Um, so when you talk about movement or you talk about speed, uh, which is kind of what Nike was originally with running shoes, when you look at the swoosh, it fits better on a sneaker that's moving left to right than, say, a square, right? So when you're looking to design something specifically for a company, the application in which they'll be using the product is very important. Like, I don't think a swoosh would work very well in a Starbucks cup, right? Because then all of a sudden the silhouette of the product is weird. And, I mean, we could sit here and argue all day what would work better on a Starbucks cup, square, circle, triangle, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's almost irrelevant. Like. Right. It's it's really all about those actions and, and how much power uh, or tools you give your employees or um, things like that that matter way more than the logo or the color of your logo, which, again, this stuff is important, but that's the last step. At the end of the day, it's important to have a design that is in harmony with who you are as a company, who you are as a personal brand. I think what makes a good design it, because it's not that it's unimportant. It's just right. important that you do those other things first. Correct. And then your logo will just be matched with that. But I think if you have a company that's all about positivity and movement, like you could say Nike is to a big degree, then having a logo that makes you feel positive and like moving is a good harmony. Right. Now, could they have had the same brand with a different logo? Probably. But I think when you have those things that match together, that's when you create something really powerful, something where the things you do, the things you say, and how you look, how you present yourself to the world, all make you feel and think something consistent. Right. I think that's when you really have brand consistency. So I think Nike has done a really good job at that. If we move the what we're talking about just a little bit, because we've been talking about branding from an external point of view, right. but that's not the only way branding is. It's not just what people on the outside see. It's also what those on the inside see. It's how you view your company, how people who may be working for you or with you see your company. And this is another kind of idea that you have that's a little bit different than what's traditional. A little against the grain. Right. <laughs> but explain it a little more, because basically your idea is that the customer is not always right. Correct. It's hard for a lot of business owners to kind of accept this because obviously a business needs to make money and who gives you money? It's your customer, right? Um, but the problem is, at least from my perspective, is that there's too much focus on the customer to the point where your employee experience is lessened, which if you take a step back and look at kind of the dynamic of how sales works, it's the employee that sells the product. So um, 
if that employee has no interest, doesn't care, um, it, it isn't willing to give the experience or service that your brand represents, um, you, the, the employee's probably not going to make the sale, right? And that customer isn't going to get the experience or service that they were promised through all the visual and all the messaging that they, you put out as a company. So, and again, there's that inconsistency. Um, and that's when people step away and they're like, well, I don't really like them, right? You'll go to a retail store and you'll have people rave about them. And then you have other people who are just like, I don't like this place. Like they're rude to me. I don't like them. Um, and they just happen to come in on a day where they were with a disgruntled employee. Um, and that's just now their perception of the brand. So the key really is for business owners, instead of looking at the customer and saying customers are always right, I think companies in general should be employee-driven, employee happiness. Uh, It's truly important to uh, give that experience to the customer. There's a lot of times where as an employee, you wake up and you're just like, I got to go to work. Um, And you don't want to. And that reflects when you speak to your coworkers or you speak to customers that come in, they see that, they feel it, and they're like, I kind of like this place. Um, And so I think giving, you can talk about, all the different ways to do this, um, but one, it's not always money. And I think a lot of a lot of uh, managers or owners that I've spoken to are like, well, Travis, we just can't give everybody a raise, right? Especially with uh, minimum wage prices increasing and things like that. But uh, there's more to it than just money. There's um, there's a sense of security, um, which is why a lot of people work in general, uh, and there's just a sense of acceptance and just power that those on the front line when it comes to retail or sales or service need and should be given. Um, and I just think a lot of companies don't do that. And they're trying to figure out, well, why are customers giving us bad reviews? Why are customers not happy? Why are customers not buying product? It's probably because the people that are supposed to sell them products aren't very happy either. Um, so that's just kind of my philosophy is that I think companies should just be employee driven because at the end of the day, the employee's happy, customer will be happy. So, yeah, and that's really, really important because, again, your brand is any form of communication you put out there, any experience someone has with your company, all of that is branding. Correct. It's just about how you communicate and what is the perception people are getting from that communication. What are they thinking and what are they feeling? Right. And so if you're putting out a person or any kind of you know marketing material, whatever it is, that makes people have a bad experience, that is now the perception of your brand. So right. now every time they see your logo, every time they see something from you, they're going to think about that experience that they had. Right. So experience is such an important thing. What do you recommend people do who are running a business where they're, you know, maybe they have employees or maybe it's them, themselves that they're marketing out to the world? How do you help them make sure that that experience is something that's good and desirable by the audience they're talking to. You mean from an internal standpoint with it or just in general? Well, where does it start? Does it have to start internally? How do you create that experience that customers are going to love? A lot of the companies, it started with some sort of passion, right? And so as an owner, what drove you to this industry in general, right? And then capturing that passion and then turning it into something uh, tangible is really, really important. Um, So when we talk about action, I actually think action is probably the most important thing before words and visuals um, is that you have to create a process um, that allows and gives employee power. And you'll see this a lot, and I've experienced this working front ends and retails. You'll see a lot of managers come in, um, and they can do anything and everything because they are the manager, they are the owner. And then all of a sudden, they expect the same result from the people who are at the lower end of the totem pole, um, forgetting that they don't have the power and the tools to do stuff. Um, Speaking of a story specifically, 
um, when I was working retail. It was the first time I ever worked returns. Um, and uh, on the wall, there's very loud rules, right? They're just, they're literally plastered all over the walls. Here's what we can and here's what we cannot take back. Um, and someone came in, they're like, I'd like to return this. Well, that item that they wanted to return was on the wall. Um, and I was like, I'm sorry, we can't return that. And they throw a fit. So what do they do? They ask for the manager. And the manager comes and they're like, oh yeah, we can totally take care of that. And as an employee, I'm like, well, I could have easily done that. Like, why didn't you just let me do that? You have to give employees um, room, wiggle room to, or tools to just feel like they can own that job. Um, and I remember they're like, they returned it. They just took it back. They're like, yeah, we'll take it. And then the manager looked at me and was like, Travis, why'd you call me for that? It's because you, you, you told me I couldn't take it back. It's on the wall. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I think a lot of times managers forget that. Um, they can do it, but you can't. Um, and it really sucks as a customer. Everyone's seen this before. When you come in, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you. And as every customer thinks that, like, everyone just has the power to just, boom, make it happen. But that's just not how it works uh, in sales and retail and service. That's just, there's, there's different levels. And I think giving people tools and a good example of that is I worked with another company that was sales driven. And when a product was unavailable, for example, we were out of a certain product, uh, they gave you a $50 limit to where you could basically comp that and upgrade a customer. Um, oh, we don't have this, but let me go ahead and get you this and I can actually give it to you for that price. Um, and there, now you're creating experience for the customer that is above what they expected. And again, you're empowering employees to make decisions without having to go off and search for answers. Because um, everyone knows as a customer that's so miserable where you, you just want an answer and they're like, well, let me go check with somebody and then we go check with someone else. And at that point, you're like, I don't want it. And you just leave. And all of a sudden, again, that perception of what that company is about is just slow, not polite, um, unprepared. Uh, employees aren't well trained. And so, uh, you know, long story short, I think, I guess understanding the process to help sell or get the service across that you're trying to do and then just giving employees power. I don't want to say that. That's too much. But giving them tools, right? Power is too much. Like, again, you don't want to put a self-destruct button on it. But you really want to give them tools to be successful in that position. Um, but I think it's really, really important to refine those things. So when you talk about a rebranding, um, those are the things you should be looking at. Um, and then if the money and if it's necessary, then create a logo and change your messaging. Because a lot of the time the messaging is right. It's just when people come in, they don't get the messaging that you promised them. And they'll see that. They'll see that from a commercial or from an ad yep. where the messaging looks fantastic and the way it makes them feel is great. And then they actually interact with you and it could be something very different. Right. And now there's a disconnect. And now there's a lack of trust because if you're putting out messaging that says, we're going to make you feel this way, you interact with the business and it doesn't feel that way, now they can't trust any marketing material they see from you in the future. Which is why it's really important to have that consistency between your actions, your words, and your design. Which is another way of saying that is, you know, I talk a lot about a brand being an idea, something for people to believe in. And what that really means is the Simon Sinek concept of starting with why. Like, what, what is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you believe that goes beyond your business? This is just who are you as a person and what are your values that guide the way you live your life? Right. Run your business that way. Because if you're someone who really believes in, I have one client, for example, when we helped him find his why, his why was something along the lines of to do what others won't so together we can create a more peaceful world. 
Okay, that's what he right. believes in. That's where you have to start with. What do you believe in? Now, that's how he just lives his life. He does so many things where he helps people, not just through his businesses, but just through other personal things that he does. And so running a business that way, if your goal is to do what others want, to be someone different, to go above and beyond, to do the extraordinary, so that the goal being we can create a more peaceful world for us all to live in, what I suggest in terms of branding is like, well, what can you do this week that proves with your actions that that is what you believe? Right. Now, it can be something that has nothing to do with your customers and nothing to do with your product. But how can you prove through your actions that your brand really believes this? Can you do something for somebody else? Can you, you know, show up in some sort of way for someone else? Can you do something for your employees, your customers, people who don't care about your business? What can you do to prove that this is who you are? Make marketing material around that. Right. There's this uh, a beer commercial where they show that during, uh, I don't know which hurricane it was, but one of the hurricanes we had, um, where they had a commercial where they took all their beer cans, they swapped out the, the labeling to say water, filled it up with water, had like millions of these things with trucks delivering it to this part of town that was just devastated. Right. And that was a commercial. It was just a nice song behind it, filling up these cans with water, giving the water out, their logo, that's it. Right. They weren't saying, hey, come buy from us because we're good people. They're just saying, hey, this is who we are. Right. And if it says anything, it's if you're the kind of person who would do the same thing, if you had those resources, we're the beer for you. Because right. this is what we believe in. And that was an action that proved that that's what they believed. And that's what I really want to encourage people to do as well. What do you believe in? Take actions that prove that that's who you are. Not just through things through for marketing material, but make sure your product lines up with who you say you are right. as well. Apple was the greatest uh, example of this, where we believe in thinking different. We believe in challenging the status quo. So what do we do? We create technology that is completely different. Their Macs that came out in the late 90s, those colorful see-through ones, right. at the time, nothing looked like that. So they actually created something that was different. And, and earlier, if you look at, like at the 80s, for example, they gave you computers that had tools that no other computers had at the time. The graphical interface, that wasn't really a thing. Right. Us clicking on Windows and stuff, that came from Apple. We, they said, we want to create a technology that does for the human mind what the bicycle does for, the, for a human, for the body. It's, right. it's, uh, Steve Jobs had this thing where if you look at efficiency in terms of different animals, uh, humans were one of the least efficient in terms of how much energy they produced and how strong they were, how fast they were. But if you give them a bicycle, they are the number one most efficient animal. Right. So you said, how can we do that for the human mind? How can we give people who have potential the ability to reach that full potential? That's what he believed in. That's what his brand represented. And he created products that actually did that. Right. And that's why people are so loyal to that company. Can you think of other ways that the average brand, the personal brand, the, that, you know, at-home business can do something similar for themselves? Within your, within your community, within your local area, you do want to be known as a trustworthy company, right? But in terms of examples of what you can do, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to be real. And realize I, 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 as a designer, I didn't say a word about anything you're saying uh, or visually working on it has everything to do with your action and getting that dialed in. Um, then you can start talking about other stuff. And a lot of times, I don't want to say it as a designer, it's like uh, throwing my services away, but like a logo design or a redesign, if I were to come in and work with you, I might not even make you a logo, right? Um, consulting with retailers about how to better the customer experience internally um, you can do a lot of that through merchandising. You can do a lot of that through training with employees, um, changing up your systems to where your employees feel a little bit more empowered. That will go a long way instead of just plastering a different logo on the wall. 
Um, Because then you start talking about like, well, who's this new company? Oh, no, we're the same company, but we're different. But you're not different. That experience that you promised, you're still not delivering on. So uh, action and um, employee focus uh, to me is still the number one thing, especially when you start talking about local business owners. Because we all know as business owners, turnover is huge, Um, especially now with... um, the minimum wage issues and all those things, um, you'll see a lot of turnover. And getting that number as low as possible is, like, super important. Um, again, those actions is so, so important, and that's the number one advice I would give to any business owner, big or small, that I would focus on those things before anything else. Especially when those actions prove that you care about your employees and that you care about your customers. And I think that's kind of the connection there, that it's practical to care because it is part of the reason why you have so many employees leaving a particular job at once right. because if the the manager calling you and saying, hey, I need you to work versus saying, hey, I know you're busy, I know it's your day out, but if you could come in, that would really mean a lot. Such a big difference. And practically, right. you're going to get better work and more likely that person comes in for their shift. Right. And so it's such a practical thing to make sure that what you're doing, what you're communicating both externally and internally with your brand proves that you care with your actions back it up with your words and with the way you present your company, be it through your logo, other design, other marketing material, because ultimately the best way to get people to care about what you do is to first care about them. And I think when you do that, that's when you can really have something really powerful. Um, Hey, man, I thank you so much for coming on today and sharing that. Hopefully we can uh, get that message out there and and hopefully we can see some change out there in the world, huh? Yeah, I appreciate you letting me rant about um, all that. But but yeah, it's funny how just you don't, Branding has nothing to do with this. I don't want to say it has nothing to do, but that's such irrelevancy. Uh, and from a designer, that just seems so ironic. But, like, I'd rather go into a company and fix those problems uh, before ever touching a logo. Um, at the end of the day, like, a logo's a logo. It's just an image. So, yeah, action is definitely the most important thing when it comes to branding. Awesome. Yeah, well, let's try to get more people to believe that. I think we'll see some big differences if people really start with what they believe and acting on that and and treating people, you know, like they care. Right, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening today. I really hope you got something of value from this episode. We're trying to prove that caring for your customers isn't a radical or risky thing to do. It's good business, and it feels much better, too. Please help us continue this movement and get this message to more people by sharing this podcast with someone you know will get value out of it. Then stay in touch with us by following us on Instagram at care underscore branding, or you can just search for care branding and coaching. To learn more about how we can help you attract more qualified leads and build a brand people will love, you can check us out at care-branding.com. Thanks again for listening today, and we'll see you next time.